Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everyone. So things have changed when I was a pastor, let's say 30 years ago, making announcements. I would be saying we're going to, the men are going to meet next Saturday morning to dig a new sewage line for the building, right? Ben just spent five minutes explaining how you text to give. (laughs) Think things have changed? By the way, I have a sin to confess. I don't bring my phone to church. So if... I had to give right now. I couldn't do it, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I think the only time I would ever bring it is if it were game seven of the World Series. If the Yankees were playing and I'm preaching, my Bible would be on my right, the phone with the game. Hopefully I could get through the message, right? Okay. So it's hard to believe I've been out here almost four months since I flew out in January, and in a couple days I leave. We have a 170-year-old, 5,000-square-foot farmhouse that I've got to do a ton of repairs on so we can sell. And in upstate New York, I'm nowhere near New York City, you need to list your house by Memorial Day because summer is kind of short, and that's when people buy. So um, my wife's dusting off my tools. We'll hit the ground running and get the job done. We're going to move into a small apartment back there so I can afford to keep coming back and forth. I just want to say what a privilege to serve Watermark and the other churches out here. I appreciate that young man very deeply. So Bucky and Ben have graciously asked me to kind of kick off this sermon series on family. And before we get into the scriptures, I want to take a minute and explain a key concept in historic Christian doctrine that I want to encourage you every time you open your Bible, kind of have it as a presupposition in the back of your mind. And we will find today, my my goal is to lay the foundation for what the Bible says the church is. These guys will talk more about what it looks like living together. But people say, I'm going to church on Sunday, right? Uh, How is church? Now this morning, my youngest and I and my daughter, one of my daughters, we share a house here in Irvine, Um, I prayed over him because he's got a ball game this afternoon, I'm going to leave from here and go see it, and I'm laying hands on him and I'm blessing him. You know what we were doing? We were having church. We were being the church. Church is a covenanted spiritual family that is wherever you go because the Spirit of God dwells in you made us one. So we're going to look at that. This concept I want to talk about is called the one and the many. All right? And this is where unity and diversity meet. Now way back, remember that guy named Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel? He was the king of Babylon. They conquered the southern tribe of Israel. And then after him, the Persians came and conquered Babylon, and then the Greeks conquered the Persians. And Daniel prophesies all of that, and then the Romans followed the Greeks. Well, the Persians and the Greeks taught a dualism in their philosophy. Here's what I mean. 
they said that the spiritual or the invisible world is opposed to the material or the visible world. And so what is spiritual and invisible is good and what in light and what is material and physical is dark and therefore evil and you get a lot of crazies that have come out of that movement. But the Hebrew mind throughout the Old Testament never taught that. It taught this marriage of unity and diversity. It taught the one and the many are actually one. They are both and. It's a both and thinking, not an either or. For example, Genesis chapter 1, the last day of creation, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. Who is the us? The Trinity. The Trinity is the greatest example. Three persons, one God. We don't serve three gods, right? You all agree with me? We serve Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he said, let us make man in our image, man being men and women. And so in the image of God, he made, he created him, the pronoun. Notice how it's going back and forth. Male and female, he created them. So you have this back and forth. The one is creating the many that are the one. And then in chapter 2, he said, I'm going to make this woman that will be the perfect complement to the man, and the two shall become one flesh. Those of you that are married, when you start to look like each other after a while, you know what that's like, Patrick? You get more like for Sandy and I, 39 years. I mean, I know what she's thinking, right? Like she wants to go spend this money on doing this project on the house, And I called my oldest son, who's in real estate, and he said, bad idea, Dad. You don't need that to sell the house. But I know my wife, so I called her, and I said, I spoke with Justin. She said, doesn't matter. (laughs) I said, I knew you were going to say that. Right? The two shall become one. The one and the many. The unity with diversity. Am I making any sense here? So I have eight children, and I have 14 grandchildren. But we are one family. I come from both of my mom and my dad's sides, large, loud Italian families, right? And so my family that my dad and mom are a part of was one of the many, and I am the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers, and we are one family, and yet we each have our own families. It is the one and the many. We, Watermark are part of the universal, or literally, the Catholic Church. Don't think Roman Catholic. Well, the worldwide Church of Jesus Christ, right? It is one. Would you agree it's one church? That's why no matter where you travel, when I've been in ministry in other countries, when I meet someone, they are a brother or sister to me. Why? Because it's the many are part of the one, and the one is the many. So there's one worldwide church, but every nation has the church, like there is the church in America. So Christian sociologists will write uh, analysis of the church in America. And in each region, I come from the Northeast. There is the church in the Northeast. There is the church in Orange County. If I were to ask one of the leaders here, how is the church in Orange County? They would know, I'm not talking about their specific church, but the condition of the 
body of Christ. Another metaphor. Am I making sense? And so each of those is a part of the one that's greater. And so you have Watermark that is a part of the church in Orange County. And so it might be a knee or an elbow or a wrist. But when it comes to Watermark in relation to the worldwide church, we might be a cell. Right? The one and the very many. It never, ever goes away. Oneness. Okay, this is critical because one what? One church. But it's more than that. Now, the New Testament uses two metaphors. Peter refers to the church as the flock when he talks to the elders in chapter 5 of his epistle and he says, take care of the flock of God for whom you've been given charge. Paul, and we're going to look at that, he writes that we are one body with many members. Now, are we literally a flock of sheep? Yes or no? I mean, sheep are stupid and we act like it, don't we? Right? Are we literally a body? No. But you know what we are literally? A family. A covenant family birthed through the eternal covenant of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to look at today. Am I making sense now? Okay, so God used Pentecost to make this happen. So last week was Easter. We're jumping ahead 40 days when the day of Pentecost happened. The disciples were in this room in prayer, and all of a sudden, this mighty wind, a violent mighty wind, comes breaking through, and there were tongues like a fire sitting on top of everyone. Bang! They're filled in the Holy Ghost, start speaking in various tongues and languages, and Peter gets up and gives the first recorded sermon. Bang! The church is birthed. 3,000 people come to Christ that day. Bang! Like that, they are a family, and you know what they had immediately? The mess of a family. Right? So my kids are all grown, but my daughter here, she's due in in January. I mean January, right. July. What's what's six months? And I said to her, I'm looking forward to coming out when I get out here. I hope to be out in August, holding the baby. She said, are you going to change your diaper? I said, "Mm, probably not. How many diapers do you two change in a day? Oh, quite a few. Family's messy. Supposed to be messy. You don't want to know how it gets like that? Because you live together in the various stages of life. That's why you're not just a body. The family is constantly developing. You've got infants, and you you know, when my oldest son was 19, my youngest was born. He was the son of my old age. That's family. That's who we are. The question is, do you think like a church or do you think like a family? Acts chapter 2, Peter at the end of his message, verse 36. Let's take a look. Peter is letting the Israelites during the Passover feast have it. Just blasting them. Pentecost hit, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, that Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
That's what you want when someone hears the gospel, man. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, covenant language point number one, and then he goes into point number two. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far, far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The Amplified says those who are far off, in parentheses, including the Gentiles. Peter picks his language very carefully here. This is very intentional. This is covenant language. It drips with it. Repent and what? Be baptized. You know why he said that? No one was baptizing yet. They were circumcising. In the Old Testament, what was the sign of the covenant? Circumcision. Peter is saying, I'm bringing you the new covenant in Christ that the prophets all prophesied about, that Jesus talked about. It is here now, so here is your new sign. And the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost and filled everyone in the Old Testament it says, and the Spirit of the Lord fell upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and they beat the bad guys. And the Spirit of the Lord fell on Samson, and he took the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed a thousand. And the Spirit of the Lord fell on Saul, and he prophesied, and so on, to do exploits. But no, now all of us have the Spirit of the Lord in us, the one and the many. And he's saying, you are covenanted, you need a sign. You need a sign. I'm wearing my wedding band. It's a sign of the covenant I have with my wife. I have three daughters when each of them turned 12 years old. We went shopping for a covenant ring for them. It basically said this, I have your heart until the man comes that you are called to marry. I have your heart and that is the evidence of it. And if anyone messes with you, I promise you, I'll hurt them. Well, I did say that. And my oldest said, Dad, did you mean it? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. I will protect my daughters with my life. Why? I'm in covenant with them. And that ring, and I would remind them. How's the ring? So we come from upstate New York, nowhere near New York City, seven hours away. Beautiful rural countryside. And I, I said, I have two brothers, and I have five sons. One of them has two. One of them has one. So we get together in October. Of course, I'm out here now, and I can't. And we have what's called blast and cast because we're hunters and fishers, fishermen. So we hunt and fish. But we bring all of our sons, and now my grandsons are coming. It's men's weekend. It's also a time where we pick one of the young men, and we have a covenant ceremony, a rite of passage, from boyhood into manhood. And I guide it. And for every one of them, I give them a sign that they now are no longer a boy, they are a young man. Can anyone guess what kind of sign I would give to a young man? Beautiful sword. I've wanted to buy one for myself, but I'm not sure that's biblical. And so I tell the boys... You know, one of my sons, he, he had it like he's got a junk closet. He had it in there. I said, what are you doing? That'd be like me taking the, the wedding ring and leave it on the bathroom floor. Get it out of the closet, hang it on the wall, 
do something with that thing, it's a sign that you're a man. It doesn't mean you're a man. It's a sign. Baptism's the sign that we are already in covenant. It doesn't go away. The second point, second half of 38 there. For you will receive the gift of the Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. This is the exact language that Abram uses, and we're going to see this in Genesis chapter 17 in a minute here, including the Gentiles, okay? And then he goes on to say, now listen to this, and this is a disclaimer, verses 42 through 45. I have heard pastors say, well, this means we're all supposed to sell everything and share it with everyone else. No. This was a church being birthed in Jerusalem during the Passover feast, during overcrowded times, and people couldn't just get a flight back home and work for a while. Right? Didn't work like that. And they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, more signs of our covenant, which we'll share of in a little bit here. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were how, what were they, folks? Together. And they had all in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. So people that were natives of Jerusalem, there were people from every nation, they said, oh man, what are we going to do? Look, we've got this extra property or the set of dishes or my favorite shotgun. We'll sell it and, uh, you know, let's help, let's help the people that came from northern Greece or from Morocco or from uh, the, the Middle East, right? Let's help them. So that's what they were doing. It w- they were jammed in and every day the Lord was adding to the numbers. In fact, Talking about family in a couple of chapters, Acts chapter 6, it got so jam-packed and crowded, the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Christians, were ticked off at the Jewish Christians because their widows weren't getting food. There might have even been fistfights. Welcome to family. Is it perfect? Has another Christian ever rubbed any of you the wrong way? Not me. I mean, are you kidding me? Although, if somebody says they're born again and they're a Red Sox fan, I won't even speak to you. (laughs) Let's just get that straight. All right? Yeah. Yeah, we went to the Yankee game the other night, my son and son-in-law and I. Some guy with a Red Sox hat about four rows in front of us. All the Yankee fans say, get out of here, or we're going to throw you right over the wall. That's Christianity. (laughs) Okay. All this language is family language, folks. So I want to go now back to Genesis, where this all began. It didn't begin in Acts. It began with a guy named Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls him from this land, which is probably the land of Iraq, northern Kuwait area now. And he said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And your descendants will be like the sands of the sea, or the, uh, on the, the beach, And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, including the Gentiles. That sound familiar, folks? Peter using that language. Now he he reaffirms, God reaffirms the covenant in chapter 17. Look at this. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and whom? 
your offspring, remember what Peter said, you and your children and all those who are far off, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. I'm telling you the covenant God made with Abraham is alive and well today, and I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. It's everlasting or God wouldn't have called it that. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. What are we talking about? Well, obviously the Jews. Well, you're going to see it's more than that. And I will give to your offspring the land and so on. And God said to Abraham in verse 9, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant between you and me. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Verse 11 says, And this shall be the sign. This shall be the sign of the covenant with you. Do you notice the kind of language here? All the families of the earth, those who are far off, your children, your generations, all families will be blessed. Jesus said, go into all nations and make disciples. You know, it's not easy to disciple a nation, is it? What was Ben saying earlier, right? You guys are being equipped to reach the city. Why? To transform it from the inside out. What is that? That's this. That's what God told Abram is going to happen. Well, what does that have to do with us? And how is this the Abrahamic covenant? Well, it's a new covenant in Christ. But you've got to realize something. Let me read to you from Galatians 3. You don't have that up there. This will only take a moment. Galatians 3, verses 7 and 9. Paul is explaining to the Galatians who they are. Because a bunch of the Pharisees were telling the Christians in Galatia, oh, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to get circumcised. I do? Right? They were deceiving them. They didn't need to get circumcised. Be baptized. That's your sign. I mean, it's cleaner and cheaper. And more fun. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Who are those of faith? Who are we talking about here? Us. Anyone who believes, right? Faith in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Remember what he said to Abram? Listen to me now. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So God was preaching the gospel to Abraham, the gospel of salvation, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Therefore, that right there is for you. That binds us as family. That allows us to be messy with each other. You got a wayward son or daughter, aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever? Read that. Lord God, I am part of this everlasting covenant. I didn't do any of it. You did all the work. Your son gave his life so I can have this. I'm calling upon you. My baptism was a sign that I am bound in a holy covenant with these people. They are a sign that I am one of yours. Now bring my lost son, daughter, aunt, uncle into the holy covenant. Bring them, Lord. I believe your word. Now that's a prayer. That is a prayer. A couple of you said amen. That's good. 
1 Corinthians 12. Remember we talked about the body? So in chapter 12 context, Paul is explaining to the Corinthians who were a bunch of partiers. Kind of like you guys at Watermark. Right? You're always having these events, partying, I love it. But, you know, they were getting drunk at communion. He said, that's not a good idea. And so he's, he's explaining about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave and that they, what they're to be used for. And he spends three chapters. Right in the middle of it, he says this. For just as the body, he'd been talking about the gifts in the body. The body is one and has many members. And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So. I might be this knuckle, Martine might be this ligament, right? We are all parts, the one and the many, of one body. If you are one with each other, you don't just go to church. You know, the the days of buffet Christianity, I I, I don't like that church. Or, you know, when that guy's leading worship, I think I'm going to pass. No. I think I'm going to blow off the family and skip the family meal. I'm not going to eat today. I'm going to ignore the family. I don't want to be with them. I would rather sleep than get up and have the meal with the family. We're going to be taking the bread and the wine, symbols of the eternal covenant. Those guys who are up here, the young worship leader, I really appreciate him, his heart for worship. That was wine, man. This right here, the word of God, it's the bread. It's the food. It's the f- this is a family meal. For in one spirit we are all, there's that language again, baptized into one body. How many? How many bodies? One body, many members, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Whether you like it or not, you have brothers and sisters all over the planet that are your family But in a local church, this is where that common DNA and worldview and core values exist. Everyone is called, and Paul said earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit places as he pleases in the local body. He calls. And if he called you here, these people around you are family, even the ones with bad breath. We used to have a men's meeting early in the morning, I hated the prayer circles because, you know. But they were my brothers. What can I say? I can't get rid of them. John said in John 1, verses 12 and 13, look at this. But to all who did receive him, he's introducing Jesus in chapter 1, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what, folks? This is a legal right. We talked about this on Good Friday, the imputed righteousness of Christ who were born, not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, born of God. Two chapters later, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born of water and spirit, you can't enter in. All this family language getting birthed. You know, and babies crying, and pooping, and everything else. They don't do everything right. And then when they're two, they think they know everything. Well, that's us. We are born as a family. When you are born again, you're born into one family. One family with many expressions. So I come from two large Italian families. 
I don't know if we could get the whole family together. It'd be like a scene from The Godfather. Huge. But when my two brothers and I and all our families get together, we are my dad's family, that one expression. And yet we are many. Do I make sense? Are you hearing the language of covenant? The one and the many. That we are bound from what God did way back with Abram. And that, that holy, sacred union has never been broken. Israel tried to break it, but God said, uh-uh, I'm not letting you get away with that. I'm sending my son. And then we'll finish in Romans here, the scriptures. Romans chapter 8 Paul has been talking about how they are justified in Christ, how we are all in Christ. We are one. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of what, folks? Adoption. This is a legal act. As sons, meaning sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If you can say Abba, Father, that means the Lord God is your dad. And he's not your dad if you aren't his son or daughter. Okay? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's why I was saying to you, it doesn't matter where I travel. I'm heading back east soon, and I'll be working with other churches, and I'll meet people for the first time, and they're going to be brothers and sisters to me. And we know that for those who love God, I call this one of those bathroom verses, It's a plaque in most bathrooms. People love this verse. I just wish they'd add verse 29 to it. Those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For, when you see for, you need to know what it's there for. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what, folks? The image of his son in order that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus is our older brother. We have the family image. When you were born again, you got the family genes, you got the family image, you cannot get rid of it. And God, through an act of covenant, through the blood of Jesus, legally adopted you and transferred Jesus' righteousness to you, and it never goes away. No matter how much of a jerk you're going to be this week, or me for that matter, right? If we sin, do we stop being sons and daughters? No. Some of you in this room, this couple that are precious to me, have adopted babies. Whose babies are they? They're yours. Yeah, they're God's, but he gave them to you. Are they yours or not? Are you their dad? Your adopted daughters, those men have to go through you to get to those babies? You bet, and I'll help you. They don't, they don't well, that's our adopted ones, so we're going to favor the bylaw. That's nonsense. I just want you to look at Ben and Riley as the greatest example of God's adoption. One family. They are, they're not... Well, we got this one from that nation. They're one family. Many kids, loud. A lot of diapers, a lot of stinky rooms. It's family, man. It's life, but they're one. They're one. And you and I, we look like Jesus. Even though we are many in our various expressions. 
Because none of us look alike, yet we're all the same. Am I confusing you with this one and the many stuff? So you see, you can't get away with, I'm just going to go to church. You can't get away with that. Your family, you live life together. You're supposed to help each other in your messes. We're supposed to be there for each other no matter what. My second brother, I've been there with him through all of his marriages. In fact, the last time I said, I'm not doing any more of your weddings, Lou. Whatever wife you marry, this time keep her. Don't go running off. He finally got it right. But through it all, when those marriages failed, I was there. I was there with my sisters-in-law. Why? They're my family. They're my family. Now, I pastored a church back east, and I would be amazed at some of the people that have been around a long time, and we all do it, sit in the same seats every week. In fact, I knew who wasn't there and who wasn't, right? I'm sure Ben and Bucky know. And I would uh, say, I was talking to Jim so-and-so. Who's that? Oh, well, what do you mean, who's that? He's been... He's been at the family table for 14 months. You don't know who he is? Oh, no, I don't. Because I just go to church. I don't really sit at the table and eat with the family. Why would I want to get to know them? It's really quiet. So I'm, I'm guessing it's two outs in the seventh. The bases are loaded, and the guy just hit a single up the middle to score a couple runs. We're hitting home here, and we should be. We should be. Family can be a pain. Can anyone agree to that? Ladies, says your, have your husbands ever been a pain? Raise your hand if that's the case. <laughs> well, we know Joe's a pain. I mean, come on. Let's be family. We are bound in a holy union. You want to reach the city? You walk in inconvenienced for one another. You lay your lives down for one another. You overlook each other's sins. I used to love these prayer meetings where someone would come and they're trying to be really holy and they would say, well, this isn't for gossip, this is prayer. And I would stop and say, no, that's gossip. I don't want you talking about a family member here at the table. Shut your mouth. Don't do that. Don't do that. I want to call the worship team up. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, that church really had its issues. <laughs> like they just, they love to get in trouble. In chapter 4, he said, you know, I'm saying some harsh things to you. I'm really, I'm really bringing the hammer down. But he said, I'm going to tell you why. You have thousands of teachers, but not many fathers. But I have begotten you as my children in the faith and in Christ. Paul had the heart of a father for them. And he said, therefore, I'm sending you Timothy, not my lieutenant or my assistant or my successor, my son. I'm reading that and I'm thinking, man, Paul's got nerve. I'm sending you Timothy and he's going to remind you of how I follow Christ. Now that's, only family can talk like that. Sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Who do you think you are? I'm your dad. I'm your dad. And I want you to grow up to be dads and moms in the faith. I don't want you to stay as children. 
I, want, I, I said to my eight children, I'm smarter than all of you. I've been around a lot longer. Follow me as I follow Christ. Is that pressure to say that? You bet it is. You bet it is. But I don't want my kids following somebody out there I don't know well enough. I want them following me. I'm the one they see every day. They'll know if I'm real or if I'm a hypocrite. They're not going to know some guy on TV or a podcast or blog or whatever the heck it is now. They won't know that. I'm not trying to beat on you or discourage you. I'm actually trying to build something here. I really am. I want to tell you, when you get this revelation that we are one and the many, we are a holy family, we are bound as one, and you look around and you see people, you know, I'm a little nervous around people, but that is my brother or sister, and they might need me. You will revolutionize this place. And, you know, we talk about Pentecost. I've been telling Ben and Bucky, the Holy Spirit's coming to Watermark in 2019. He's coming. You guys get ready. So in a minute, we're going to worship. By the way, great job, guys. Thank you. The wine. And as we're worshiping, the communion tables will be open. The bread and the wine. What are they, what are they a symbol of? The family meal, folks. Right? If you're going to have a dish of pasta, you want a good glass of Chianti with it, right? Or grape juice, whatever your thing is, it doesn't matter. The point I'm making, these are symbols, these are signs of our covenant. When you go and take that communion today, those elements, Lord, thank you, we are one with you and one with each other because of the holy covenant through Jesus. I bless you in that. Have a blessed summer. Let's stand, worship the Lord. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.